Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ reminding you about Charlotte FC, Major League Soccer. It's now in season and the WFNZ Jack Daniels Doghouse is open for business. The Doghouse doors will open up three hours before every home match so you can stop by, get ready for kickoff with some of your favorite friends. Join us for the pregame and postgame parties at the Jack Daniels Doghouse coming to you live from the Audi Charlotte studio and brought to you by Jack Daniels, Pepsi, and powered by you, the Garage Door Guru text line, only from Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ, the exclusive home of the Charlotte sports fan. Let's go to the Garage Door Guru text line. Did Pusha do that uh, song at the concert you went to? He did not, but he did He did go with the clips beat. He did go with uh, in some old school beats. Um, no, he did grinding. Yeah, I think that was the one. Yeah, so that he did that. I mean, he did some... He did the classics. That that was what was so cool. I mean, he took care of everybody, right? He was there to yeah. go with the It's Almost Dry songs at first, and then he went all across Flips the board. had a couple classics, so he can't get up for sure. and do a show and not bust well, out some of those clips no, and classics. It was, and it was cool how he set it up. The light show in the back was real cool. So, yeah, it was awesome. So, going back to some of those concerts, trying to rapid fire once again because we got a lot of text. 704 number, or Lee wrote in. Lee wrote in, Old Charlotte Coliseum on Independence. Went to Motley Crue and Guns N' Roses. Opened okay. up. All so, right. So that's a good now one. We're talking. Moose wrote in uh, <laughs> Imagine Dragons is good. Went to go see that show. Rather be golfing. He wrote in, I'm an 80s guy. So best concert in the 80s for him were Journey, Def Leppard, Janet Jackson, Rhythm Nation Tour, Ooh. Huey Lewis and the News, Billy Joel, Chicago, and Fleetwood He Mac. went to some bangers. Now, that's yes, a lot because I would imagine the prices back then. I mean, what do you think? I bet $50 you were probably sitting pretty close. Rather be golfing. Let us know what those prices were so we can find out. And that was an awesome list. Thank you for including all of those. 704, how about this one? Kiss in 1978, Providence, Rhode Island as a 14-year-old. So wow. 14-year-old going to a Kiss concert in 1978. That would be fun. Yeah, Wes just did the tongue out. There you go. <laughs> um, oh, we got some breaking news. Let's hear it, Fitty. What you got? All right, guys. We appear to have a new owner coming to the NFL. Dan Snyder has reached an agreement in principle to sell the Washington Commanders to a group led by Sixers and the and the New Jersey Devils co-owner Josh Harris for a reported six billion dollars. Okay, Josh Harris. Going after it in Philadelphia right now because they did sign James Harden, right? That's that's the first question I ask at least when you get a new owner: Are they willing to spend the money? What kind of what kind of history do they have if they have other uh, endeavors, other sports franchises? So now this guy's involved in the NBA. Right, so that's the group Magic Johnson's in. Is that right? Okay, that would be cool. So Magic Johnson involved now in the NFL with Washington. Something very cool there. So now you have this guy is doing exactly what we all want to do as sports fans if we were billionaires. It's all right, let's just get involved in everything. I'm going to own a basketball team. Now I'm going to own an NFL team. Already got an NHL franchise. I want somehow for this person to get into the MLB, and then he can just take care of all four of them. That would be fantastic. Um, Last couple of concerts real quickly I did want to mention. 619 said Whitney Houston in her prime right after the Bodyguard soundtrack came out. Bodyguard itself, which soundtrack, you know, was amazing. Uh, She was incredible. And uh, so that was the last one that we have. Whitney Houston, a good one to end on there. Let's bring it back home. Let's actually talk not only about the Carolina Panthers, but the city of Charlotte as a whole. 
because we just heard from Mitch Kupchak, the GM of the Charlotte Hornets, and he spoke about this season. They're not going big game hunting. One thing he did say, though, Wes, was that he liked some of the young players surrounding LaMelo Ball right now, clearly still trying to build around what is your star in LaMelo Ball. And the first round pick from this past season, it's Mark Williams. Mark Williams was somebody that came in December 26th. So the day after Christmas is when he really started to be a part of the rotation because of injuries, but also because they just felt it was time. And they were right about the latter. Mark Williams was awesome as soon as he stepped onto the floor with some normal rookie growing pains. But for the most part, he gave you everything you could have wanted at that point in time from the 15th overall selection that he was. So I really like what Mark gave you. If we want to transition to the Carolina Panthers and their first round pick, I also really like what Iki Aquanu gave you. And I think they're kind of similar in their production. Iki Aquanu would be rated pretty high, pro football focus grades, had some growing pains here and then. Great game against Tampa later in the year, but also would give up the single play, Anthony Nelson coming around the end to force a, a sack fumble against Sam Darnold. But I, I kind of view their years very similarly. We feel very good about them. They weren't stars. They weren't all pros at their position or all rookies, I should say, but they performed pretty well. I ask you, Wes, who do you think provides the bigger impact for their team as a first round pick the prior season? Is mm. it Iki Aquanu going into a second year as a left tackle that we feel good about? You, you're not drafting a left tackle in this NFL draft process. You already got that guy sixth overall last season. Is it Icky or is it Mark Williams who provides a bigger impact for their team next year? I'm going to go with Mark Williams simply because uh, offensive linemen tackles as great as they are and as much as they mean to a team, they are a part uh, of a unit. And as far as them being able to put points on the board, they cannot do that for their teams. They can play a big part in their team putting points on the board and he'll have great responsibility guarding the franchise's blind side next year. But when you talk about Mark Williams in basketball, uh, basketball players, especially stars or superstars can have much bigger impacts on the game, on the tempo of the game. And so I will go with him because this is a guy that if he comes out next season, 18 and 11, two, three blocks, I mean, that's an all-star caliber season and that will help the Hornets immensely to whereas Ike Aquino could still have a fantastic season, and then the Panthers may not have the team success uh, necessarily. I'm going to go Ike, okay. and it's going to be really close, but I'm going to go with Ike because I think his position is a little more important than what Mark Williams is doing for the Charlotte Hornets. And that's not to say Mark Williams' position is not important. It really is, especially because this team has been looking for its rim protector for quite some time. But I, I think maybe we've, we even made these comparisons going in that left tackle was the same as center for the Charlotte Hornets and vice versa because each team had been looking for that person for so long. Ever since Jordan Gross retired, they did not have a left tackle you felt great about. Icky potentially could be that guy. Al Jefferson was the last center you felt great about. And even then, he's not a rim protector. He was only producing offensively. Defensively, you know what Al was. He wasn't very good. Yeah. But offensively, he was amazing. Paul Pierce called him the best low-post block scorer in the game, and I think it was well-deserved at that time, getting an all-NBA selection. So I'm going to go with Icky because also, Wes, you're talking about a rookie quarterback coming in, undoubtedly. And so now that you have Icky with that added responsibility of protecting the rookie QB, because this rookie QB now, I mean, if, if you allow pressure at a high rate, you could be messing with his future. You could mm -hmm. be messing with the kind of money that he could be making or just the amount of stock that you put into him being the QB of the future. And I think because you have another position relying on you so much so, 
I'm going to go with Icky. You could view LaMelo as that QB, so to speak, for the center with Mark playing in the pick and roll. But we all know what LaMelo is at this point. We don't know who this QB is going to be. And Icky Iquanu has a big say in that because if he comes out and he has a real bad year, his second season in the league, that's going to really hurt Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, Anthony Richardson, whoever it is. That's why I go with Icky, but I do think it's really close. And I think it's a good problem to have. Yeah, I mean, mainly because I think that, you know, basketball players have more tangible effect as far as scoring points, getting rebounds and things of that nature to where Icky can have a great game. And yeah, it's going to help in the grand scheme of things, but there's not much tangibly we can look at and say, oh, he was responsible for two touchdowns and this, that, and a third, man. But still, both of them are going to have, uh, you know, big impacts yeah, on their teams, are. and they're going to be very important to each of their teams' success nonetheless. I think overall, we're, we're feeling very good as Charlotte sports fans. Okay, Mark, good pick, right? Iki Kwanu, good right. pick. And, and both positions that you so desperately needed, I don't really think there's a wrong answer there. 806 number wrote in, given that the Hornets have not had a rim-protecting center in forever, give me the Condor, as Eric Collins has dubbed him. Do you like the Condor as a nickname? Uh, Eric like Collins it. has been selling that pretty heavy. <laughs> Well, if Eric did it, I know, I'm with it. I know. And you got to love Eric Collins. At least <laughs> I do. You know I love Eric. I want something a little different than the condor. The condor. What well, do you think, Fitty? It just, I mean, like, one if, one if it's, he puts an M at the end of the word instead of the R. 704 <laughs> That's a legitimate gripe. I mean, what if he just misspoke and called Mark Williams that instead of the condor? Like. The condor. A legitimate gripe. Wait, what? Because people misspeak all the time. I mean, you call the Mariners the Mariners. Mm-hmm. I call. Uh, I know what you're doing. I I get it. So get it. <laughs> like 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 that would be my worry. Like I, I knew me as a as a broadcaster, I could never. I, I mean, I could not say that because I would call him the other word instead. The condor. And then you would put an M instead of the R there. Oh, this that's is on me. your that's on your mind so much where you could not say the condor without thinking. I have <laughs> only you, only you. I tried to move on from the joke, but you stopped me dead in my oh, track. because you didn't want to give it the the a time of lo- the time I of did. day it deserved. I let it sit for a little while, and then I wanted to move on. And here you are wanting. Pe- I mean, <laughs> that is a stress. You really can't think of. Condor, without thinking of that other word. No, I'm just saying, like, I would misspeak and say, can I say that word on the air? I, I don't think I, I can. So. I honestly think you can. I don't think there's no issue, I, I any get, issue with that. But I get it. It's a little bit weird to say. Yeah. I'm sure you could say I mean, it. I don't want to call a guy a condom, but I mean, like, that would happen if that was me. Yeah. All right. Well, that that's that's where that conversation went. Thank you, Fitty. I appreciate all of You're that. You're welcome. Um, yeah, NASCAR Brad. Fitty, if he said hell? it, would it really be a mistake? Who, Fitty? Yeah. Yeah, no, that, sure, that's what he wants I mean, somebody's dude, nickname Jack to be. I mean, did say he does protect the rim and is your last line <laughs> no. of defense? You see? People are with me. You just got to get on, you got to get in my, in my head. That's scary. I'm good on I don't want to, I do, you, you know what would be the worst vacation ever? It would be if Miss Frizzle from the Magic School Bus shrunk us down to the point where we could explore your brain instead of the actual brain they did in the show. That would be the worst thing ever. Yeah. You would see a lot of bad areas there. All right. That effectively took us to the end of the segment. So thank you very much. We'll try to come back to the garage door. <laughs> Logo 704. Walker really be babysitting. LOL. I tried to move on. Thanks, I tr- Daddy. I, I tried. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Everything is weird. Everything is weird. 
Let's go to the next segment. We'll talk about Stephen A. Smith's comments on the Carolina Panthers. Are they really a quarterback away? And we'll read some of your texts. It's Weston Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. It's happening in Charlotte sports. It's happening on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. I think Carolina is a team that is positioned very well from a coaching perspective, from an offensive line perspective. And so I just think it's a great scenario for any quarterback to step into. If you're talking about it, we are talking about it. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. The exclusive home of the Charlotte sports fans. Still trying to gather everything from the last segment that went off the rails. Something serious. 619 number wrote in. Mark Williams is 97% effective. (laughs) Be a good nickname, I guess. 704 said, not Fitty's greatest moment. That's the thing. There's no in-between with Fitty. You either think think it was an awful moment or you think it was one of his greatest moments. That's one of the things there. Uh, There's a couple I can't read. Let me scroll, 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 scroll. We got to do the bagel guy one. No, I don't. What's the bagel guy one? Which one? I don't even think I have that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's the one I was about to read. He was saying if Nick Wilson was Big Daddy, I actually talked to Nick or texted with him last night. Does that make Walker Slim Daddy? So, uh, (laughs) Slim Daddy, how's it going over there? You know, you you have Daddy reserved for a few different people. It's 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 a daddy move. It's definitely weird. But I got to admit, Slim Daddy sounds pretty good. I got to tell you, like, like if, if you start getting Daddy from me... That's that's a sign of welcome. Like Will Kunkel is just he is the daddy. Uh, why? Yeah, why? Uh, I just you know he's got great hair. <laughs> he's, uh, you know, I, don't know. I, I met him at Willie P's wedding and he really embraced Fiddy when Fiddy was inebriated. Uh, yeah, inebriated. <laughs> um, Nick was big daddy. I mean, you know, yeah. some people call me little daddy. I don't think. <laughs> now we got Slim Daddy. We got to get, we got to get, and then, I mean, Wes is a literal daddy. For, yeah, for some reason, I just like Wes Daddy. That's just a good name. <laughs> I, but I, I'm not here for the daddy nickname going to a bunch of different people, but I do like Wes. Wes Daddy feels like that would be a nickname for you. I like the dad. The dad. Just straight up dad. Yeah, the dad. Uh-huh. That's, He's our show dad. Uh-huh. We got TV dad and commercials. Show we got dad. The, we got the show dad on the radio. Okay. Show dad. The show father. People call me. <laughs> oh, the, the show father. Well, and on Locked on Hornets because okay. we often have the same kind of dynamic with me and Doug Branson, who is always going crazy as well. They call me the pod father on that because I'm always trying to reel everything in, too. <laughs> but I think Bill Simmons is the real pod father, but we can take that here in Charlotte. 704 number also wrote in. Will somebody please protect Fiddy? He's hurting himself. No, I mean, you try. There's just... <laughs> oh, people are asking if you have daddy issues. May as well say zaddy at this point. We're hey, going... Zaddy. No, no. Oh. I'll do it. Ooh, no, no. <laughs> Wes, what's he doing? Help me. Please help me. All right. Please, we need to move on. I tease Stephen A. Smith talking about the Carolina Panthers. He and Mad Dog were discussing the Panthers, I believe, yesterday on First Take. And here he is talking about the kind of ceiling he thinks Carolina can reach, but that a QB alone will not fix all of their issues. 
But at the end of the day, Adam Thielen, really, there's a reason why Minnesota didn't mind him leaving. He's not what he used to be. I'm not saying he's not an NFL wide receiver, but, uh, I mean, you're not shaking in your boots worried about Adam Thielen. That's number one. <laughs> number two, Miles Sanders. He can run with the football. We understand that in Philadelphia. But in the same breath, you had an elite offensive line. You had wide receivers in A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith that you couldn't sneeze at. Oklahoma got it at the tight end spot. So you had a passing attack. You had a quarterback that could run in Jalen Hurts. He had an elite offensive line, which assisted in a running game. I don't think you've got that waiting for you in Carolina. There is no longer a Christian McCaffrey that is there. You certainly don't have that. Miles Sanders could replace him. But there's a reason why you look at Carolina and you say, excuse me, why haven't they been that relevant lately? Their defense is legit. I'll give you that. But I'm sorry. I don't. First of all, any quarterback that comes in there, it's a rookie quarterback, he's going to have to learn. There's a lot to learn. Frank Wright, last time we saw him as a head coach, what was he doing in Indy? He was struggling, was he not? Did, yes, he, get, he, was. did he get booted out of there? Is that not true? No, I'm right. not saying the man can't coach. <laughs> he helped Philadelphia win a championship as an offensive coordinator coaching with Nick Foles at the quarterback spot because Carson Wentz went down. But at the end of the day, he didn't get it done in Indianapolis. But in the end, there's a lot of work to do. And a quarterback alone is not going to fix the, fix the woes that we have seen from the Carolina Panthers. I'm not buying that by any stretch of the imagination. They need a hell of a lot more than that on the offensive side of the ball. All right. Stephen A. Smith just went turbo tongue. Something serious there. <laughs> Usually he's loud. Usually the inflections are something loud. <laughs> I bet he liked that one. But, man, that was quick. So we're going to try to break that down for you just a little bit. I, I think the first place. I want to start is how he puts a lot of the responsibility, at least seemingly so, Wes, of Indianapolis's downfall on Frank Reich for not getting the job done there. Mm -hmm. And I think for me, it's totally fair to blame Frank Reich for quarterback personnel decisions, vouching for QBs coming into that system. But he also gets the most out of some of these QBs when they go to that organization, right? Like Philip Rivers. Philip Rivers came over to the Colts after his Chargers reign was done, but he was still pretty good, right? I thought Philip Rivers was actually kind of cooked his last season with the Chargers, but they got to the postseason, and remember, that was a really close game between the Colts and the Bills once they got to the postseason. All right, so we know what Frank Reich was able to do with QBs in Philadelphia. Carson Wentz's best years were with Frank Reich on the staff, whether it be with Philadelphia or whether it be with Indianapolis. Now, Carson Wentz was awful the last two games of two seasons ago, regular season, but still Carson Wentz best performance came with him on the staff. If you take the responsibility away from Frank Reich for him to choose the QB that he's going to coach, we've seen him get the most out of whatever that QB is though. I mean, whether it is Jacoby Brissett, whether it is Carson Wentz, you know, Matt Ryan was bad last year, but the offensive line was really poor, too. I don't see this as a lot of work to do, to quote Stephen A. Smith for Carolina. I think a good quarterback, a hit at number one overall, that fixes a lot of mistakes that you had last season. Well, I think, though, when I look at the Panthers, and if you do want to try to uh, pick out some weaknesses, uh, obviously they were a top 10 drafting team for a reason. Mm -hmm. And so I start with the pass rush when you talk about having the eighth fewest sacks uh, in the NFL. Well, tied for it with uh, Jacksonville, 35 sacks total there. I think they need to get some more pass rush for sure on the books. With them going to a, a multiple scheme now, how are you going to get more pressure on the quarterback? Because right now, most teams, when they come in, they really only worry about Brian Burns as far as an individual that can really hurt you uh, in those regards. So that would be the area I would pinpoint uh, the most. 
Then you talk about the secondary that, uh, you know, got exposed, especially when J.C. Horn was not in the lineup against Tampa Bay. So when you talk about uh, a defensive back unit that's a little bit, well, not a little bit, that's on the weak side without their star corner, and then you talk about not having that pass rush, then, you know, I think that's there. They need to shore up the other side. I've said for a while, I don't think Dante Jackson is the answer on the other side. And then, like I said, they need some more pass rush to be generated on the other side of Brian Burns. Uh, Frankie Louvu had seven sacks. But uh, you've got to get somebody on that other side as well that, that can provide some of that. So if I had to point to it, then offensively, you know, I do think Stephen A. Smith is right as, as far as saying that when you talk about the elite teams in the NFL that's going to come in with top-tier defenses, are they going to be really worried about any of the Panthers' skill guys at this point? I think not. I mean, as a San Francisco 49er fan, and I'm not just saying that because I'm a Niners fan, but just saying, when you have a defense of that ilk, if I'm coming in playing the Panthers, the best defense, I'm not, in, yeah. the best defense in the league. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm not worried about Adam Thielen. I'm not worried about DJ Chark. I'm not worried about Hayden Hurst. I'm not worried about Miles Sanders. But like, but hold on, you you like Hayden Hurst a lot. I do like him, but as far as me being worried about him killing me to the point like Travis Kelsey killing me, well, where yeah. I'm like, oh God, what am I going to do with this guy? No, the Panthers don't have that type of skill guy yet. They have a good unit. No who can come together, and if you put together the right game plan and they perform that well, then I think so. But that's why I said they need some more dynamic guys. You need a guy on that offense that I can hit you with a five-yard hitch and you can shake a couple of guys and get 20-25, maybe even take it to the house. That's why I think the draft is vital for them to pick up a couple of those guys that's going to add that speed and dynamic element to that offense to give them some home run hitters. Like DJ Tart, yes, he's got nice speed, but we talked about the injury history. Can those ankles still run a 4-3? We'll see. Uh, but it's just as far as them having, I think that's kind of what's lacking on that offense to really scare uh, some teams. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about this a lot. They don't have the number one option on the outside that is as good as some of the other number one options out there. I think we've both kind of agreed, at least that's what I took it as when we would talk about this topic. Mm-hmm. It's probably an average group of pass catchers to possibly a little bit below average. Yeah. But you like Hayden Hurst more than I do. And, and I like Hayden Hurst fine, but you like him more than I do. You think Adam Thielen is going to go for more yards than I do. Yes. You think, I, I don't know about Terrace Marshall. I probably like him more than you do, but at the same time, I don't think Terrace Marshall, there's still a lot to be learned. I'm just, I like the ability, but that is somebody that is injured. So the the health is something that scares me more so than anything. Okay. It's, it's the fact that Stephen A. Smith, you know, stressing, putting the inflection on it and dragging his word out, a lot of work to do. I think they did a lot of work this offseason to give a good environment to whatever rookie QB they pick. And especially if you think the coaching staff is something to note as well, which clearly we all do. So if you get a good running back coach, you keep the guys that mattered from the last staff and Chris Tabor with special teams and also James Camp and along the offensive line, you keep all the offensive line members that matter. That's going to be something that's pretty big for the number one overall pick on top of just being able to, have an average group of receivers in place. No, you don't have a separation god by any means out there. But Adam Thielen, well, nice I think and- you have those. It's just in what areas of the field they separate well in. But uh, yeah, but right, like not. I said God, right? Like not not number gotcha. one, not Julio, right? Like not. That's what I'm saying. So when we're talking about a lot of work to do, and then you go to the defensive side, I'm not going to argue about cornerbacks. J.C. Horn goes down. I'm worried, no doubt about it. But they really shored up their safety depth this season. That, I think that matters a lot. Pass rusher, worried about opposite side of Brian Burns. I think there's something to be said for that, too. 
But Frankie Luvu, you might get some help there. And Ajero Averro, I believe in him. Absolutely, I believe in Averro. Just the whole, man, even if you hit on QB, it's not going to fix a lot of problems. I think it does. I think it fixes a lot. doesn't mean I think you're going to be a Super Bowl contender. I don't think that. But I do think that it fixes a lot of problems, especially with you contending for an NFC South title last year with Sam Darnold as your QB. Um, Yeah, I mean, for sure, you hit on quarterback. It's all downhill after that, definitely. I've, I mean, I've gone on record saying that, you know, there's a lot to be done between now and the, as far as the draft goes and who you're going to pick and who's going to hit as far as some of your picks. But I, I, I don't think it's saying a lot by saying they need a couple of these picks to hit, but they definitely need to fill a couple of holes uh, through the draft. I don't see this team as a playoff team uh, as it stands, but – uh, but as far as them, you know, quarterback is going to go a long way towards making them formidable. Well, outside of DeAndre Hopkins, then you probably don't see them making a move to get them to the postseason. I mean, even in the draft, right? Could they, if they draft, I mean, just, just put whatever receiver you want to. We've talked about all of them. You know, if you want to put any of the receivers, I, I mean, I think that would be a lot to put on the 39th overall selection yeah. shoulders to say, oh, okay, no now this guy comes in, they're a playoff yeah. team. So you just pretty much think they're not a playoff team is what you're thinking. Yeah, I just don't because I think that the Saints were, you know, from a roster standpoint, what they've got, some of the weapons they have. To me, they have a couple of difference makers on that offense in Olave and Alvin Kamara. And so I think when you look at that, and then they've got some secondary pieces that can make some plays, and we know what their defense has been like the last few years, and some of those fixtures are still there. What are you talking about? Um, Cam, oh Lord, what's his name? The defensive end for the Saints. Yeah, Cam Jordan. Cam Jordan, yes. Then Demario Davis in the middle linebacker spot. So I just trust them a little bit more now with the formidable quarterback at the helm. Seriously, their head coach is Dennis Allen. It's a good point. Yeah, honest. this is true, but he's bad. He's awful. The the, the guy should be fired just for existing. <laughs> okay. He, he he might be the worst current head coach in the league. How much stock do you put into that, though? I agree with that, but I also think that this, the Saints have the type of vets that can overcome that, though. I think that David Carr is going to be more so a coach on the field for them, and then you got a guy like Demario Davis leading the defense. Well, so I think that they can overcome that. Well, I mean, th- this is the thing about Derek Carr, though, right? It's It's the fact that the excuses for him are all about how poorly run the Raiders organization was. They had good skill players, right? They have what is now, I think, the highest paid tight end who was injured. But Darren Waller was out there for him. He got to use him as a weapon, right? The the excuses for Derek Carr with the Raiders was the fact that he wasn't dealing with good coaches. That unchanged with Dennis Allen. That unchanged at all with him being the head coach. And so now you're really putting a lot of stock into Derek Carr with a good defense. Which but the Norland Saints has. have much better recent pedigree than the Raiders over the last oh, yeah. 20 years. And oh. then got swept last year by Carolina. But, but but with Sean Payton, I mean, not with Dennis. There hasn't been anything that Dennis Allen, outside of his defensive coordinator role, which he was great at. It's what got him a second chance. Mm-hmm. But Dennis Allen, as a head coach, has given you nothing to believe in. You could even see real-time coaching errors keeping the Saints out of a playoff race. Right? Like, you could see that game against Tampa. I mean, do you guys remember that game? Mark Ingram also, where he doesn't fight for one extra yard to get the first down. That was one of the worst coach games I've seen. And Dennis Allen was at the helm, and New Orleans loses. There's there's nothing redeeming about Dennis Allen as a head coach. D.C., different conversation. But if, if the argument and the excuses for Derek Carr is that the Raiders were awfully run and they didn't have any good coaches— 
that still remains true with Dennis Allen as your head coach. And you have to put a lot of stock into him having a good defense with New Orleans, which I agree. But, man, I mean, that that's a big old jump. Okay, good defense with New Orleans. Now Derek Carr's about to cook. Well, you are very vague there just saying the defense because he does have some pretty good weapons too, some pretty Chris, reliable weapons. Yeah, Chris Olave is awesome. Alvin Kamara. But, but I guess the thing is it's not different to me Jamal than – Jamal Williams. Jamal, I like Jamal Williams, but but the thing is, it's not different than what he had with the Raiders, right? I mean, I know, I know how you do. When you don't like somebody, you're going to try to, you know, throw your little discredit in wherever you can. I know how you give it up. So, I'm going to speak facts real quick. <laughs> I'm going to speak facts real quick. Because he overcame a lot of that bad stuff with the Raiders. A lot of fourth quarter comebacks, Pro Bowls. A long time ago, wins. the fourth quarter comebacks. Oh, Lord. Well, I mean, he had like the most, I think, from a stretch of like 2015 to what, last season he led the league in fourth quarter comebacks? You were trying to talk about the weapons. You can you can go look up the fourth quarter QB mm-hmm. thing. But but when we're talking about the actual weapons here, I'm talking about the difference between the Raiders and the yeah. Saints. Fair? Yeah. So when we're talking about skill positions, you had a top five wide receiver over there with the Raiders and Devontae Adams. Darren Waller, hurt. Granted, awesome when he's on the field, but hurt. You also had an all-pro running back this past year with Josh Jacobs, right? Mm-hmm. So when we're talking about the difference between teams... It's not like I'm looking at the Saints and saying, oh, that's a much better skill group than what you have with the, with the Raiders. You're not doing that. Fair, right? Oh, yeah. That's my, what I'm asking. I mean, my point is that I believe Dennis Allen is such a bad head coach. No, I know what your point that, is. That yeah. he's going to cost a few games that he did last year. And we think Frank Reich and this staff, this staff's going to win Carolina at least, what, two to three games that they didn't win a year ago. That's the difference in this league between being a playoff team or not. That's my thing. If, if, if Sean Payton was still in New Orleans, head and shoulders, they're the team to beat in this division. But Dennis Allen is their head coach. He's going to cost them a few games, and I think Frank Wright will win those games here in Carolina, and that's why I think they are the team to beat right now in the South. Well, Derek Carr in here is the ninth best scoring defense in the NFL. They're six in the league the, in the yards per play you're, allowed. You're, yeah. you're, you're saying six the Saints the have the ninth. Okay. Yeah, six yeah. in the league in yards per play allowed. Yeah. Uh, Derek Carr is currently uh, Matt Ryan retired, correct? Um, I, I don't think the NFL retired. I him. think, yeah, but okay. whatever, whatever. We well, don't have to include him. He has the second most uh, fourth quarter comebacks of any active quarterback, and he's 13th in NFL history so, in that department. Yeah. So, you know, like, like I said, all encompassing is what you're doing with that stat, right? Like since he entered the league in 2014, right? Yeah, yeah that's but it's career. Yeah. And currently in NFL, he has the second most fourth quarter comeback. So I think that they have yeah. veterans on that roster that can overcome. Uh, Dennis Allen, when you talk about... They weren't last year. But well, granted, well, that's court. what I'm saying, but they have Derek Carr now. And then they've got Alvin Kamara, and like I said, Demario Davis, oh, Honey, I, Honey Badger, Marshawn Lattimore. So I think I they've the got roster. the guys yeah. to, uh, to overcome that. Uh, and that that's fair. The last thing I'm going to say I here, trust these guys more than I trust what's on the Panthers roster right now. Uh, okay, that's fair. The last thing I'll say is Andy Dalton made your top 10 list in a Panthers-Saints roster. He right? should have. Uh, uh, that's fair, but man, so... Andy Dalton and that roster you believe in a lot right now. The difference is Derek Carr. That's fair. Yeah, that's a big difference. Okay, you talk about a Pro Bowl. I'm just saying you thought a lot about Andy Dalton too, but that's fair. I like, thought a lot about him in the context of that game. Yeah, Let's you did. not do that. Um, that was in the that was in the context of that particular game. Wes, you saying, point to a lot I never I'll said admit. that Andy Dalton was a top ten quarterback in, in the game, NFL. I said that game. Yeah, I'm not lying anything. I'm just no, saying. But then you try to throw it back out there vague for somebody that's not initiated. They might think otherwise. 
hey, man, you point to the lie, and I'll admit it. But I ain't heard one yet <laughs> on Weston Walker. All right, let's go to the second Fitty Flash. What you got for us, Fitty? Turn our attention back to last night's NBA play-in tournament, which is getting rave reviews from national talking heads around the NBA and other sports. The Bulls came back, and they won on the road in Toronto. And then the Thunder, a really fun team out there in the West, they won on the road in New Orleans. What did you guys take away from last night's play-in tournament action? That you have to love how the Thunder are set up, right? I mean, you beat New Orleans. That got off to a great start at the beginning of the season, by the way. Zion gets hurt, and they're clearly not a contender anymore. They look like a championship contender, and now here they are out of the postseason because you lose that play-in game last night. OKC, when Chet Holmgren comes back, you're going to have another pick pretty high up in the first round. SGA, Jalen Williams. they don't blow it like they did the first time. Josh Giddy. I mean, yeah, they traded James Harden. We'll see if this group can get him to the finals again, but I really do. I really do like the way this OKC team is set up for the future. Yeah, I like that. And then when Zion's a Charlotte Hornet, it's going to be lit. Yeah, I would love it. Let's go after him. We need to get to <laughs> I that. I said it years ago on Twitter. Alright, let's let's revisit Wes's Twitter history and talk about <laughs> that, but we do have to get to fire or fizzle. Mm. It's a staple of Wes and Walker. You hear the grunt. We're going to be talking desserts. Coming up next, Sports Radio <laughs> 92.7 WFNZ. It's Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. People have been waiting for it. I think Granny Pat wrote in. Let me try to find her text. Writing in what she wanted to see on the show. Yeah, she said, waiting on fire and fizzle. Love this. Let's go, Granny Pat. Get lit. She's getting hype. I'm sure she's not the only one. Let's go ahead and hit it. Fireman Lil Wayne. We've mentioned him a couple times today. Dessert is on the menu Let's go. today. Wes gets to tell us what is fire or fizzle because, well, it's National Peach Cobbler Day. I'm not going to tell you what his opinion is on Peach Cobbler. I'm going to let him do that at the very end of this. But because it's that, we thought, okay, dessert might be a good idea. The first one to lead us off here, Wes, brownies. Simple dessert. Oh, yeah. Let's go, baby. Fire fizzle. What say you? They did not become widely popular until the 1920s when chocolate became more readily available. That's chocolate brownies, I should say, the most popular type. Early recipes called for butter, eggs, sugar, flour, melted chocolate, and nuts in varying quantities. Do you like almonds or Did anything like that in yours? Is that what you yes, just said? Yes, because I know we have a degenerate behind me. I think you um, have a little bit of one Do as you well. like those in your brownies? No. Okay. I don't All want right. the nuts in my brownies. All right, which means that making homemade chocolate brownies hasn't changed much in the last hundred years. Listen, it is one of my absolute favorite ones, okay? The Pillsbury or whichever brand it is that you like to get. Lil Debbie Cosmic Brownies, yes, is that what you're but thinking? when you yes, smell those warm brownies in that oven, you smell that chocolate in the air, you know you are about to get a fantastic treat. And for that reason, brownies are straight fire top three dessert for me. The Cosmic Brownies are great. The little pieces of candy on top of it with the little Debbie. Yes, I don't want all that. Real quick. No, well, I don't need them, but they're fantastic. Last thing real quick. Corner piece or middle piece? Which one do you want corner, if you get a pan? Corner guy. Okay. I actually saw a thing on an infomercial where they had one that you could make that comes out all corner. Oh, yeah. See, that sounds that's awful to me. Fire. They've really cornered the market. They did. I thought about buying it. All right, next one. <laughs> Chocolate chip cookies are next. Another classic. Are they fire or fizzle? Listen, 
The classic Nestle chocolate chip cookie originates from a tale at a lodge in Whitman, Massachusetts, owned by Ruth Wakefield and her husband. She made all of the meals served at this inn, and one day while baking a batch of butter drop dew cookies, she added chopped up bits from a Nestle semi-sweet chocolate bar. She thought it would create solid chocolate cookies, but that didn't go as planned, and we have what we know today. Originally called the Toll House Crunch Cookie, a recipe was published in a Boston newspaper and quickly became one of America's favorites. Now I know. According to Nestle, chocolate chip cookies is definitely in the holy grail of me for desserts. So you know what's coming. I know what's coming. Chocolate chip cookies are straight. Fire at all times. Don't you ever forget it. You said brownies are top three. I know what your favorite is. So our chocolate chip cookies, <laughs> number two on the list. Yes. All right, we're going in order here with Fire Fizzle. Leaves me a little scared, but Wes, I hope you give us the right answer. <laughs> banana pudding. Now, bunch of different variances for banana pudding. Yes. But you got to tell me the generic, good old, or what about vanilla wafers? Are they in here or not? They are not in here. Okay, they're not in here for banana and pudding. I think fizzle. that changes things, but go ahead. Fire Fizzle. All right. First mention of banana pudding seems to be from 1878 in a New York <laughs> Times column called Information Wanted. Robert Moss, Robert Moss wrote in his article for Serious Eats, the first recipe appears to be from Good Housekeeping in 1888. He said, make and chill a pint of custard. The recipe instructs, then line a pretty dish with alternating layers of sliced sponge cake and sliced bananas. Pour the custard over the layers and top with whipped cream. Now you know. And this more or less is the version that remains the version that most of you out there like. What do I think about banana pudding? What do you think about banana pudding? But this ain't your segment. This is my segment. And what do I think about banana pudding? It is straight. Fizzle, not having it. I don't want any of it. You can take you it and it. keep it. Eric just looked at me through the window. Yeah, I knew I was going to upset a lot of people, but hey, it is what it is. Uh, I don't care. This, this is not <laughs> one of these. It's my opinion. This is a fact or fiction. What you just said was all fiction. Fizzle fiction, if you will. <laughs> banana pudding is fantastic. Banana um, pudding with vanilla wafers, yes or no, Fiddy? Which one are you going with? I'm with Wes. This might be his oh, best take since he got Let's on go. the radio. Banana pudding is absolutely, utterly oh, disgusting. You, oh, Oh, you're disgusting. That take is disgusting. Thank you, Please. Slim Daddy. This, <laughs> that was disgusting. This text, get the text line on him. Thank you, Eric, from behind the glass being on my side. Cheesecake, next on the list. Fire fizzle. Let's go. The ancient Greeks. <laughs> the origin story is amazing. By the 5th century BC made the earliest known rudimentary cheesecake. Plakos, meaning flat mass, consisting of patties of fresh cheese pounded smooth with flour and honey and cooked on an earthenware griddle. In late medieval Europe, cheesecake reemerged in a tart form with a pastry base. There are four basic types of cheesecakes. There's curds, such as farmer pot or cottage cheese, ricotta, Italian cheesecake, quark, German cheesecake, and cream cheese, New York cheesecake. This is a cheesecake book report. Yes. In addition, there's an unbaked chiffon-like version, French cheesecake. I don't care. We French, Italian, German, whichever country you want to go to to give me a piece of cheesecake to end my meal, it's getting devoured. And so you know that that means that cheesecake is straight. 
fire is in my top five. <laughs> I want I want to find out what number four is at some point. It's as cheesecake. Well. All right, so so number number four is cheesecake. We need yes. to get to the fifth one then. Four is cheesecake. Three is brownies. Two is chocolate chip cookies. Could it be that number one is peach cobbler next on the list, or is peach cobbler outside the top five? You tell me. Well, Walker told you the inspiration for this fire of fizzle desserts. When we're talking about peach cobbler, it was first known to be made in the 18th century in the southern United States, baby, the South. It was originally made with a biscuit-like topping that was baked on a top on baked on top of a layer of fresh peaches with and a sweet syrup or juice. Oh, you're being seductive now. <laughs> but as time went by, peach cobbler evolved and different ingredients were added, butter, spices, even a layer of streusel. It is a very popular dessert in many households and often served with ice cream or whipped cream. Listen, I don't need ice cream. I don't need whipped cream. Anywhere I go that I see peach cobbler as a dessert, it's not a question of what the hell I'm going to get. And so you know now that peach cobbler is straight. Fire! It's at the top of the list. Cut that music off. <laughs> I didn't Cut the music off, the exclamation point that ends fire or fizzle. I want to go to the Garage Door Guru text line. One, thank you for all of the origin stories on the dessert. Hey, I've got to teach you. 704 number said, fellow Greek here. Great info on cheesecake history. Thank you. You like glad, that, huh? Glad West went fire. Yes. Um, All of them coming in the 1800s, it seems like. Did we go 1920 for one of them? Is that uh, brownies? Um, brownies were yeah. 1920. Okay, late to the game, yep. brownies. Yeah. I think we've had baseball facts on this day in sports history that were older than brownies. That's something enlightening. <laughs> I know, didn't rumor, expect. rumor told me that peach cobbler originated the same day that a catcher wore a baseball mask in 1877. Okay, oh, wow. peach cobbler. Baseball catcher mat, uh, mask. Interesting stuff there on Wes and Walker. K-Town Mafia wrote in, Wes and Fitty both have failed as members of the South. Banana pudding is a delicacy. They but both we came need back to with move peach away. Cobbler. Peach, peach cobbler is good. I'm out on that. But banana pudding. I, I'll tell you, the, the Southern delicacy okay. that I have not gravitated towards, don't like sweet tea. Don't drink sweet oh, tea. And a my lot son's of people. What the hell did you just it. say? I said I don't drink sweet tea. My son is Fizzle. addicted to sweet tea. Is it? Yeah. Oh, God. I know a lot of people stop that are. It. So, hang on. Yeah, talk to me. <laughs> when you eat country cooking, mm -hmm. which, you know, is pretty much everything fried. Fried chicken, fried okra, mashed potatoes, biscuits, whatever. Give me a nice glass of lemonade. Now, I do like lemonade over sweet tea early. Yep. Lemonade, I do like that. Yeah, that good. Old, sweet tea is really good. How about country time lemonade? Oh, yeah. Fire. Country time lemonade. Fire, yeah. <laughs> I mean, straight Was fire. like a vodka or something like that in it? No, that's Mike's hard lemonade. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Country time is a little bit different. And if you were drinking that as a kid, now I know why the way you are. It's Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Wesson Walker going into the last hour. Let's go down some of the local college storylines. We have spring games. Spencer Rattler season ahead is going to be interesting. We also have some college basketball transfers to get to. Quite a bit. A rapid fire college storyline segment coming up next on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.